0: Hi friends, welcome to The Ian Khan Show. You're watching or listening to an Aftershock special. Today my guest is Joe Tenkersley. He's a writer, a futurist, and a former Walt Disney Imagineer. Now, during his 20 years at Walt Disney, Joe led creative teams on projects for Epcot, Magic Kingdom Park, uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and the Disneyland Resort in California. Today, talking about the future, imagination, and uh, Aftershock is Joe Tinkersley. Joe, welcome to the Ian Khan Show, and we are doing an Aftershock special episode featuring my friend, Joe Tinkersley, who is a contributor to Aftershock put together by our good friend, John Shorter. Joe, how are you today, and where in the world are you? Yeah, well, well, Ian, I'm
1: doing pretty good, given the fact that we're all living in isolation these days. Uh, I'm in
0: sunny Florida,
1: at least, uh,
0: right outside of Orlando. Amazing. And so you're very close to Disney, and you worked with Disney for so many years, and we're going to talk about that. We're talking about Alvin Toffler, uh, Future Shock, Aftershock, uh, and creativity. That's something that you, you, you kind of specialize in, if, if I understand right.
1: Well, that has been my background most of my life. It's been in some form of creative industry or the other. And that's where I got really interested in how do you creatively create the future? You know, how do you use imagination to create better tomorrows for people?
0: Excellent. So I'm going to give our viewers a quick peek into who you are. So you've worked with Disney for many, many years in the past. And as you just said as well, you've always been in a creative uh, industry or a creative role. You've also been part of Disney's. Um, uh, it, it was a very specific role. Uh, it, was it the Futurism? It's the um, the Foresight Group, which I wanted to ask about. And and I just want viewers to understand that a company like Disney, companies that um, are, are in a certain industry, look at foresight. They look at different sides and different angles. It's very complex to run an organization today. So I want to ask you, what got you started? Uh, in, in what you, what you do? <laughs> well, that's one of those, could be a really long answer.
1: I'll try to give you the, the short version. Uh, I was working at Walt Disney Imagineering primarily as a writer and a producer, uh, creating experiences in the theme park. And one of the early projects I worked on was something called 100 Years of Magic, which was the story of Walt's life. And as I started to learn about Walt Disney, I realized that he was, as uh, Ray Bradbury referred to him as the optimistic futurist. Wow. Walt really believed that we could nudge the future, that we could have a, some kind of say in the kind of future we're going to create. And he believed one of the best ways to do that was by creating stories about the future. And this is way before your time, uh, but back in the early day television shows. And one of the first ones he had a regular sequence on called Tomorrowland, where he created these sort of quasi-documentary fiction stories about possible futures. Stories about going to the moon, stories about living in outer space, stories uh, about living under the ocean. And he believed that those were the ways that we started people thinking about what we could create for the future. And quite honestly, when I was learning all of that, and I saw the, that term optimistic futurist I thought well I know what I want to be when I grow up uh, and that started me on the road to actually creating uh, strategic foresight work and doing it for the Disney company first and then later on my own
0: yeah amazing I want to ask you you know all, all these um, writers of the past Disney and dr. Seuss and the, all of these amazing writers that have changed that are historic writers what, was the, what would the world have been when they were active? There was no internet. There, was, there wasn't mass media like it is today. There was no social media. And yet their storytelling has lived throughout the ages. And how powerful of a medium uh, was that at that time? Are we, do you think this will continue to live the way it is? I mean, are we still creating stories in the same way? I think we have some unique challenges.
1: Uh, if you look back at the, the Disney generation and even Toffler, when, when they were really creating most of their work, they were in a moment where it seemed like technology was going to deliver so many incredible things. And it did. I mean, the world we live in today is so much more powerful because of the technological revolutions of the last few decades. Today, we're burdened with the challenge, I believe, of, of people who have become incredibly cynical about technology. Uh, Because we have realized it's not perfect. There is a downside to all of this technology. And we really, I think, have to work extra hard to create stories that are creative, positive, but also ones that people can see as being legitimate. I think that's the real challenge that we face.
0: Yeah. So you've uh, written for um, you know, one, one of the the piece that you have here in Aftershock and for uh, viewers who don't know what Aftershock is. Aftershock is a collection of essays and, and and ideas and thoughts by the world's top 50 plus futurists. They all came together, uh, compiled this book, wrote content, wrote a, wrote a chapter each, and it was put together by, uh, by, by our friend John Schroeder. And that book is Aftershock. The One of the significant things about Aftershock is that it's a book that was written 50 years after Alvin Toffler's book, Future Shock, came to the market. So it's been 50 years since Future Shock came out. And if you haven't read Future Shock, folks, you've got to read it. You've got to read that book and, and understand what Alvin Toffler thought 50 years ago. Now, uh, I've interviewed almost everybody from this book. And one of the things that I can say is that Everybody has a very specific perspective. Some people love Toffler. Some support him. Some say, well, he didn't get it right. Some say, well, it hasn't happened already. And so there's different opinions. Joe, you talk a lot about creativity. You talk about the future being driven by by us being creative. Are human beings, are we innately, are we creative when we are born? How, does, how do we create creativity? I th- I thought it was something we were born with. Is it? well that, that that's of course a question
1: that has a lot of different opinions I, I believe sure human beings are naturally creative i mean that's how we have created the world that we live in which is an incredibly complicated world it, you know and that required a lot of imagination to think of all of the innovations that that exist if you think about pure creativity in the sense that we typically use it which tends to be about art or storytelling or you know one of those specific uh, functions we don't teach people how to use those tools. That's the real challenge. So a young child will naturally be a storyteller. They'll spin great stories. But by the time they've been through a few years of school, we've told them, no, you can only tell certain kinds of stories. And no, maybe that's not as important as some other things. So I think part of what we have to do is re sort of celebrate the storytellers and also go back to teaching people how to be really good at it. It, it, it is like anything, it
0: requires practice. So at an institute like Disney, where you've spent many, many years, what would being a a, a part of a foresight group include? Like, what do companies like Disney do when they want to understand the future experiences? Is it about experience delivery? What is it about? Well, we actually, and I worked
1: both for Imagineering and the rest of the Disney company at different times on different projects, so we looked at everything from what's the future of theme parks and entertainment to what's the future of the workforce, what's it going to be like to work in the future. is a topic for a company like Disney that has 120,000 plus employees. Yeah. Um, we, we also talked about what's the future of the city. Because places, you know, companies like Disney are going to be, what they're going to create in the future is going to be relevant to what communities look like. Uh, So it was great because they wanted to know a little bit about everything. Uh, The other piece of it with a company like Disney and with its its heritage uh, is the idea of, how does a large company that has a lot of reach contribute to the conversation about how we create better tomorrows? I mean, that's baked into the Disney DNA. And so a lot of what we would talk about is what was their role as leading people into the future? So exciting stuff. I mean, it was great. It was great for two reasons. One, anything could be considered to a large degree. And because it was a company rooted in storytelling, Mm -hmm. it was really easy to demonstrate that storytelling was such a powerful tool for getting people to think about
0: tomorrow. So for our newer generations, is is it necessary for us to teach them or for them to learn storytelling, is this something that 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 can have significant implications when it comes to having a great career, having a great future, having a great life? Does it play a good a big role? Oh, well, I think it does, personally. You know, and, and in fact
1: Toffler says in his book, you know, when it comes to thinking about the future, imagination may be more important than data. Uh, and I think that's true for all of the big decisions that we need to make about the future. You can't get people to change what they're doing if you just talk to their head, if you just give them facts and figures. Every leader knows this. You also have to touch their heart. And so what you need are stories that combine both of those elements if you really want to think about how we make choices to create a better tomorrow.
0: Mm. Now, you've, you've obviously uh, dusted off and brushed your copy of uh, Future Shock, <laughs> like I did uh, when I wrote my piece for the book. Uh, and went through it and looked at the pages. I, I, I in fact had to buy a copy of Future Talk <laughs> because I didn't have one. I, I honestly didn't. And I had to read it to understand what Toffler meant and what he said and what he did. And it's, it's an incredible read. It's great. It's amazing. I mean, uh, yes, perfect. Uh, I don't know how that relates to our life today. We're going on going through unforeseen things today. We're going through, uh, as of now, you know, we've had the pandemic, In after hundreds of years, we haven't seen this before. So, our generation is witnessing some really incredible things. We're incredible, experiencing incredible growth. Forget the pandemic, incredible growth when it comes to uh, technology. Our our experiences are changing. Um, Companies like Disney or Microsoft or Google, everybody's getting into this experiential way of life and, you know, how to. Deliver experiences. So I'm just wondering what's in store for us when it comes to the future and how can we make sure um, That our future potentially has a a better chance of happening the right way Are there some strategies or techniques or tools or tips that you can share with us that hey do this every day? Or I want to know what do you do every day? Do this every day and it'll help you become more creative like get your children to do some exercise and it'll help change the way they think. What is it that we can do on an everyday basis or regularly? Well, answer to that question might've been different if you'd asked it a
1: month ago, right? We're all sort of, <laughs> the, 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 the future right now has a very short window because we are trying to get by through these extraordinary times. Um, I think one for me, one of the first things is, is acknowledging that one of the things Toffler did get right was his understanding of what future shock was. Too much change happening too fast, and it creates anxiety. And I think we all suffer from that anxiety. And it gets worse when we have something like the pandemic come around. So a lot of times for me, it is acknowledging that sometimes I, my natural human tendency is to want to retreat to a safe place. Uh, and so I try to push myself to think about as broad a possible vision of what the future might be, both good and bad. Um, I'm an optimist. I try to find the, the more positive outcomes to look at. But I think we have to practice that because otherwise we shut down. And I think that's one of the real challenges that, that we really have with people. Um, in the digital world, and I'm sure you've heard this from many people, you know, things like mindfulness, taking the time to really go deep is, in, is, in, is difficult. And so we have to practice how do you do that. Uh, and when you do that, I think you then become much more able to imagine different possibilities for the future and not just go, oh my goodness, you know, it's, it's the end times, the world's coming to an end, and I have no control over it. You know, so that's at a personal level what I do. That's- I think at a, commu- a community level, mm-hmm. what really struck me, when, and, I, and I did dig out my old copy of Future Shock, and believe me, it was very old, and reread it, and what really struck me was. Toffler's call that we need to have spaces for communities to come together to give them the tools to think about the future in imaginative ways Challenge the existing sort of story of what tomorrow will be and begin to build their own And I think that's so incredibly important for what we need to be doing right now
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think many times the, the biggest uh, challenge that we have to overcome to do anything, to grow, to succeed, to uh, do things better is is think a little bit bigger. They always talk about think out of the box, but I really, you know, it's it's about thinking really, really big, but then you've got to shrink it down. You've got to work your way back and think about the actual steps that are re- required for you to get there, the actual goals and targets and everyday things that you need to do in order to create this future. Many times we, you know, hear, you know, abstract things about the future. But I think if you put action behind that um, that strategy and you do things on a consistent basis, y- you could create any kind of future, any type of future um, that, that, that you desire. I, that's, that's generally my, my thought pattern. Um, uh, I want to, I want to read a passage. I want to read a quote from the book that within your chapter, you write, you're writing about your experience. He, he quickly shot down my idea with the explanation that the mission of the park had changed It's just too difficult to keep up with the future. He said, instead he suggested I focus on the ways to better integrate the Disney animated characters into the parks attractions. Tell us about this story. I'm really interested in knowing what happened. (laughs) Oh, you're going to get me in trouble now, Ian. Um,
1: so when I, went, when, I, when I went to work for, for Imagineering, it was uh, a sort of one of those unexpected occurrences. Uh, I started working on a particular project. They offered me a long-term job. And I, and I stayed because it was to work at Epcot. And this was around the year 2000. So Epcot had been built. And I was really fascinated with, you know, here's this place that is designed to tell us stories about the future. How do we continue to do that? Um, it turned out that that kind of theme park is not well aligned to tell those stories because it's a place that's brick and mortar and they build an attraction that has to last for 30 years. Uh, And in the world we live in, what they had discovered was once again, what Toffler already told us is the future is happening much, much faster. And so it becomes very difficult when you're trying to build the future out of brick and mortar to be able to keep up with that. Uh, and that's the, that was the reality, and, and in fact, they were right. They they couldn't continue Epcot the way it had originally been envisioned.
0: Excellent. And so I think it's what you just mentioned was really interesting. Is the future is happening really fast? Change is happening fast, and it's important for us to kind of be in touch with what the reality is. Take the current COVID nineteen crises. Um, and based on all the conversations that I've, I've spoken to at least 20 different contributors from this book, since the crisis, this pandemic has been happening. And everybody has a very different outlook from what an average person would have. All the futurists that I have spoken with, they're thinking positive. They're looking at the next 2, 5, 10, 15 to 20 years. They're not worried about this pandemic right now because yes, we will overcome it. And yes, it will pass. So it's really important to keep your focus in times that are challenging, in times that are testing you, because that's, I think, where we prove who we are, what we're made of, and and what we're capable of doing. Um, I want I want to talk to you about maybe a a a, sh- a short plan because we're almost running out of time. A short plan that viewers can use. In order to create the future number one we talked about it start thinking big put yourself out of the picture look at yourself from outside and start thinking big what about creativity how can we be more creative with outcomes in our life
1: well i think one of the things that i suggest with all the people that i work with is you start by trying to think about the future in very personal terms uh, one of the great activities I, w- I work with adults most of the time, like most of us, is to suggest that they think about a child or someone they know who's younger and imagine that what their life might be like in 2040, uh, and what are the tools they're going to need? What are the what kind of education are they going to need for 2040? And if you do that just as an opening conversation, you immediately find yourself telling stories about possible futures. And once you start to tell those stories, then you can begin to investigate. Uh, where did those stories come from? What's the underlying assumptions? And get back to what you just said. How could we make those futures possible? Because I will agree that one of the most frustrating things that we see sometimes is the job of a futurist is is to imagine the future, but it's also to help people understand what they can do to create that future. And if we don't lay out those steps for people and help them begin to think about that, then then I don't think we're doing our job the way we should.
0: Absolutely. Now, in in my everyday life, I I know a few uh, folks who've worked with Disney, and these are incredible people. Uh, Jeff Noel, uh, Duncan Wardle—they're people who are out there practicing, um, and teaching, and 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 you know working on what Disney did, and you know. So it's it's great that that thought, that leadership, that idea of creativity, exists out there. People like yourselves spend so many years working within this world of creativity and you're bringing those insights and those practices to the rest of the world, I think are very important uh, because yes, I can do an MBA or I can go to MIT and learn about science, but nobody teaches creativity in school. It's not taught anymore. And I think it's a, it's a discipline that needs to grow. It's a discipline that needs to be taught to children. And I think some, educational institutions do that. My, my son is in, is in a Montessori school. He's four. And their teaching system is very different from a regular school. And I can see it that they're trying to make them more creative. They're trying to get them to think differently. Um, what do you think is the, is the future of creativity? What is our next generation going to be like?
1: Hmm. Well, it's always dangerous to predict, of course, but you know, one of the things that sort of ties into my answer to that is is as you were talking I I remembered when I was at Imagineering if you would to talk to all of those people, they were all the people who had struggled the most in school. The most incredibly creative people you ever meet because that sort of old industrial education model doesn't really facilitate learning to be more creative. I think it'll be interesting to see what we learn from what's happening to education right now as we're trying new alternative ways to learn and people are having to learn on their own and we're realizing that you can learn really important stuff by doing simple everyday things, I think is what's happening for a lot of kids who are isolated. Um, Hopefully we'll see that integrated as we get back to the new normal and we'll start to understand that we've got access to every bit of knowledge in the world right now. And so why shouldn't we be feeding kids natural curiosity So that those kids who are going to be scientists can be scientists, and those kids who are going to be creative will be able to find those spaces where they can actually learn that stuff. So I'm optimistic. I think we'll see a rebound of teaching people creativity and giving them the opportunity. No question that as technology advances, the one thing humans are going to have on their side is that we're imaginative, we're creative, we're innovative. It's going to be a long time before the robots and the artificial intelligence has those skills. We need to be focused on them.
0: Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. I, I think there's so much more to us um, exploring this idea that we are humans with a very complex mind uh, and we are just you know focused on some for some reason on industrialization and yes, the robots will take over and techno-
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: technology is going to take over. I don't think it's happening anytime soon. I really believe our potential has not even been unlocked. It hasn't been, we haven't seen 100% human potential out there. So hopefully with with that, I, I think it's a great uh, idea for us to leave our audiences with. As a leaving note, please tell us where our viewers can find you, where can they look up your work and, and get in touch with you?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, my website is uniquevisions.net. Uh, I do a little blogging there like everybody else. You can find a little bit about the work and also find about some of the other things that I've written. Um, My idea once again is I'm trying to use story as a vehicle. And so I'm always interested in people who are interested in trying to do that themselves. So
0: thanks. Excellent. And here we go. This is a copy of Aftershock. Everybody please grab a copy from Amazon. Uh, Joe's work is in there. He writes a lot about uh, creativity and what we should do. And in addition, you've got 50 other people who are futurists who talk about where the world is going, what we should do. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for your time. I wish you, your family, and your loved ones a safe time. And uh, I look forward to connect, connecting with you, meeting you in person uh, soon sometime. And uh, hopefully uh, everything's going to look different once we come out of this COVID-19. But uh, thank you so much. And thanks for being part of uh, Aftershock. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. And thanks for doing this and helping us all figure out what that new new future is going to look like. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Hey, friend, this is Ian Khan. If you liked what you saw on my video, then please subscribe to my YouTube channel and be inspired every single day with innovative content that keeps you fresh, updated, and ready for the future. For more information, also visit my website at iankhan.com.